0: Good morning. Good morning, dear friends. If you have your Bible with you this morning, will you please take it out and go over into your Old Testament to the book of Haggai? Please go in your Bible to the book of Haggai, below the dust, off of the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai is located towards the end of your Old Testament, It is right after the little book of Zephaniah and right before the book of Zechariah. It is actually located in what may be the most neglected part of the Bible, and that is the minor prophets. You see, when the book of Haggai opens up, we need to understand that in the historical context of the book, the year is about 520 B.C. We're about 520 years from the birth of Jesus. That means that it has been about 15 years since a remnant of Jews has returned to the city of Jerusalem following the Babylonian captivity. Now, when you read the book of Ezra, it appears that once this remnant initially returned, one of the very first things they tried to do was rebuild the temple of God. It was rebuild the house of God, rebuild the place where God is to be worshipped. That appears to be Israel's main focus upon initially returning to Jerusalem. But unfortunately, as time went on, the Bible says that they would actually start losing that focus and they would start focusing more on themselves. They would start focusing more on their own business. They would actually start trying to ensure that their own personal houses were in order before the house of God. You see, that is what is going on in the historical context of the book of Haggai. And understanding that bit of information is extremely critical to really being able to understand and appreciate the work of Haggai. You see, brothers and sisters, Haggai was a prophet of God who was sent by the Lord to the people of Israel to let them know that God was not satisfied with them. God was not pleased with them. God was not pleased with how they had started neglecting his temple. In fact, in Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 5, And in Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 7, we find a very powerful statement given by the prophet of God under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You see, after rebuking the people of Israel in verse number 4, for putting their own homes before the house of God. In Haggai chapter 1 in verse number 5 and in Haggai chapter 1 in verse 7, Haggai says to the people of God under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God wanted them to consider your ways. He says you people need to consider your ways. Specifically, you need to consider how indifferent you've become towards the work of God. You need to consider how indifferent you have become towards completing the temple of God. You need to consider your apathy. You need to consider your lack of concern. You need to consider how you are no longer serious when it comes to doing the things that the Lord has told you to do. Are you in Haggai chapter 1? Let's read the Word of God. Let's study the Bible together this morning, and let's go to Haggai 1 and verse number 3. Let's study from the minor Prophets. Haggai 1 in verse 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Notice he's speaking by inspiration of the Lord. Haggai the prophet saying to the people of Israel, verse 4, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house, the, the temple, the house of the Lord, while this house lies desolate? Verse 5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Here it is. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns earns wages to be put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Here it is again. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why declares the Lord of hosts? Because my house, the temple, which lies which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, because of your sins, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Brothers and sisters, I want you to pay close attention to a couple of things, very important things that are said in these verses. First, I want you to go back to verse number six. And I want you to notice carefully what the prophet says to the people, beginning with verse number six. Notice how beginning with verse number six, the prophet of God lets us know that during this particular time in 520 B.C., the people of Israel were suffering. They were suffering. They were going through trials. They were going through difficulties. Things were very bad in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, things were so bad for the people in Jerusalem at this time that the scripture says there was a drought in the land. There were shortages in the land. There were shortages when it came to food and water and clothing and even wages. Things were very bad among the people of Israel at this time. And Haggai tells them that the reason why things were so bad was because God was upset with them. It was because God was angry with them. It was because God was bringing judgment upon them because they had become indifferent towards his work. Because their lives had got out of balance. Because they were no longer zealous and passionate about the work of the Lord, Haggai says that God's blessings left them. He says that God's presence Left them. It actually reminds me of what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation two and verse four. Do you remember that? You remember how in Revelation chapter two and verse number four, Jesus told the disciples at Ephesus that he was not happy with them because they had forgotten their first love. He says, you have forgotten your first love. Someone says, what does that mean? Well, that means that like the people of Israel in the time of Haggai, the disciples in Ephesus, they too had lost their zeal and their passion for the work of God. They too were no longer enthusiastic about the work of God. They too were no longer on fire when it came to doing the things that God wanted them to do. Both the people in the time of Haggai And the disciples in Ephesus in the first century, they lost their zeal and they lost their passion for the work of God. The question, though, for us is pretty obvious, and that is, what about us? What about our zeal? What about our passion? I mean, this morning, as we evaluate our own individual lives, are we zealous? Are we passionate? Are we on fire? about the things that God has instructed us to do as his spiritual temple. For example, are we passionate? Are we passionate about the work of evangelism? Are we passionate this morning about the work of going out into the world and making disciples of the nations? I ask you that, my dear friends, because unfortunately for so many disciples of Jesus Christ, they're not really passionate about that work. They're not really zealous about that work. In fact, for many disciples, they will actually get frustrated and angry when challenged to do that work. Some will even say, well, well, isn't that why we hired a preacher? Isn't that why we hired you, Sean? Isn't that why you're on the payroll? You're supposed to be passionate about that. That's your work. That's not that's not something I need to concern myself with. Unfortunately, for so many disciples, they're not passionate about the work of of spreading the gospel. They're not passionate about this work that Jesus has given to every single disciple. The, The question is, what about us? Are we passionate about this work? Are we passionate about the work of evangelism? And are we also passionate about the work of restoration? Are we also passionate about the work of restoring our wayward and, and erring brethren? Go on your Bible to the book of Galatians, please. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, Galatians chapter 6. I want to read this. Galatians chapter 6, please. Look at verse number 1. Galatians 6 and verse number 1, Paul says, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, this is a disciple who is caught in his or her sins, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, question, who is that person? Who is the person that is spiritual in this context? Is that just talking about the elders? Is that just talking about the shepherds or the bishops and the the local church? Absolutely not. When Paul says, you who are spiritual here, he's talking to me. He's talking to you. He's talking to any disciple in the local church. We all are supposed to be spiritual people. And Paul says, when anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, not just the shepherds, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. You know, unfortunately, here, even here at Monte Vista, we got to deal with what this verse says from time to time, don't we? Unfortunately, even here at this wonderful church, like every other church across this country and across the globe, we also have to deal with wayward and erring brethren, brethren who decide to leave the Lord and go back out into the world. And when that happens here from time to time, What do we do? How do we respond to that? I mean, do we just check those people off in our minds and move on? Or do we do what Paul says in this verse? Do we as spiritual people try to restore those folks in a spirit of gentleness? Do we at least pray for opportunities to do that every single day? Are we passionate about the work of evangelism? And are we passionate about the work of restoration? And then what about our own spiritual growth? What about what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, and verse 18? I mean, during this time of COVID-19, have we become complacent and indifferent towards growing in Christ? I mean, since we have been unable to have Bible classes for much of this year, have we become complacent when it comes to reading and studying our Bibles at home? Have we become complacent when it comes to reading and studying the Bible with our kids at home? Did we fall off of the Bible reading all the way back in, in, in February? Did we fall off that wagon all the way back in the Gospel of Mark? Does that describe us right now? Are we zealous and passionate? about the things that God has called us to do as his spiritual temple or are we indifferent this morning? The children of Israel, going back to Haggai, they were indifferent. They had become apathetic when it comes to the work of God. In fact, one of the things that contributed to their indifference and apathy was they had allowed themselves to develop misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. Another way I can say that is at this time, the people of Israel had allowed themselves to become easily distracted and they had a selfish attitude towards the blessings of God. I want to show you that from the text. Go back to the book of Haggai. Look carefully at verse number two. Go back to Haggai one. Look at verse two. Notice how at the beginning of verse number two, when the question of rebuilding the temple of God was raised, the scripture says that the people easily dismissed that. They easily brushed that aside instead of saying, yes, God has been good to us and he's blessed us and he's done so much for us. And we need to focus on rebuilding his temple. You know what they said? They said we can do that later. We can focus on that later. We don't need to do that right now. They said the time for rebuilding the house of the Lord has not yet come. You see, these people clearly felt that they didn't have enough time to rebuild the temple of God. But you know what they did have time to do? They did have enough time to do anything they personally wanted to do. They did have enough time to take care of themselves. They did have enough time to fix up their own homes and make sure that their own personal business was taken care of. You see, one of the big problems in Israel at this time, in addition to indifference, was they had messed up priorities. They had misplaced priorities. That was one of their big problems. The question is, is that our problem? Is that my problem? Is that your problem? I want you to think about something, okay? I want you just to think about all of the things that God has called us to do as his church. Think about all of the things that God has called us to do as his spiritual temple today. Think about how God has called us in the scripture to serve one another and, and help one another and encourage each other. Think about how God has called us to watch out for one another. Think about how God has called us to help the needy and build up the weak and seek the lost and make worshiping him a top priority, even during a time of pandemic. I want you to think about how God has called us to to give generously and sacrificially to support his work. I want you to think about how God has called us to pray for each other and to bear one another's burdens and to comfort one another when we start going through difficult times in our lives. My dear friends, there is no doubt that God has called on us to do A lot of work as his spiritual temple, and yet if we're not careful, you know what can happen to us? The same thing that happened to Israel in the time of the prophet Haggai. If we're not careful, we can also find ourselves becoming neglectful when it comes to the things of God and more focused on our own quote-unquote houses. More focused on building our financial. Financial houses. More absorbed in getting that high paying job and moving up the ladder, getting promoted so we can make more and more money and, and, and buy a nice house and a nice car and nice clothes. Buy all the kind of stuff we want in this life. We can also find ourselves more absorbed and focused on building our intellectual houses for our young people who are in the room this morning. I realized that this past week for most of you, you started going back to school, right? Even though it's just online right now, it's, it's still school. It's considered school and I hope God will bless you this year. I know it's going to be kind of a weird year, a strange year and I hope God will bless you. I hope God will be with you. I hope you'll be very successful. And I hope you'll make good grades. I really, really hope that for you. I'll be praying for you this year. I want you to be successful in your academics. But at the same time, I also want you to listen to me very carefully. I want you to understand, young people, that as important as making good grades are, and that is important, don't get so focused on that and absorbed in that that you neglect doing the things that God has called you to do. Don't get so absorbed in that that you forget about doing spiritual things. Don't get so focused on making straight A's and graduating from high school or college and getting a degree or diploma that you neglect this year to do your daily Bible reading and to study your Bible and to pray. Don't forget about the things of God. You see, why there's nothing wrong with building a financial house, And while there's nothing wrong with building an intellectual house like the people of Israel in the time of Haggai, we got to make sure we are very, very careful. We got to be careful. As people live in a very busy society, we live in a busy society. We can never get so focused on building our quote unquote homes that we become easily distracted and we forget about the things that God has called us to do. That's what happened to the people of Israel in the time of Haggai. Haggai wanted them to consider their indifference. He wanted them to consider their misplaced priorities. And then thirdly, he also wanted them to consider their poor handling of discouragement. Poor, poor handling of discouragement. Go in your Bible back to the book of Haggai. Let's go to chapter 2, if you don't mind. Look at Haggai chapter 2. Now, we, we, we stopped our reading And the last unit at chapter 11, remember in chapter, I mean, in verse number 11, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 11. In those first 11 verses of chapter 1, Haggai called the people out. He said, you have misplaced priorities. He says that you are are, are indifferent towards the work of God. He rebuked them for those things. And evidently that rebuke worked because the people started working again. That's what you find in verses 12 through 15. But after they started working again for a few months, notice what the scripture says in verse 2. Notice what happened as time went on. It says, chapter 2 and verse 1, On the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? Verse 4, But now take courage, the rubble, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also in the dry land. I will shake all the nations. They will come with the wealth of all the nations, and I will fill this house, the, temp- the temple that they were working on. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. The latter, there's a reference to the current temple they're working on. The former's a reference to Solomon's temple. And this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, I want you to notice how after the people of Israel... After they had been rebuked by Haggai in chapter one, they started working on the temple again. They started focusing on God's work again. But unfortunately, as time went on, they allowed the devil to hinder their work with distractions and discouragement. Distractions and discouragement. Notice how the people are discouraged. Do you see that? Now, why are the people discouraged? Well, they're discouraged because they realize something. They realize that this temple they're currently working on, the glory of that temple, it wasn't going to come close to the glory of Solomon's temple. It wasn't going to come close to the glory of the temple prior to the Babylonian captivity. These people realized that this temple they were working on, it was going to be absolutely pitiful and pathetic when comparing it to Solomon's temple. They're discouraged. And let me ask you, have you ever been discouraged? You ever been discouraged? You ever been discouraged, particularly when it came to something you was trying to do for God? For example, you ever been discouraged when it came to trying to win a lost soul? You ever found yourself inviting someone to church over and over and over again or you're trying to set up a Bible study with them over and over again and they just keep on rejecting you? They keep on saying, leave me alone over and over again. It never happened to you before. You ever found yourself trying to help strengthen a Christian? You're trying to help strengthen a, a disciple in the Lord, but no matter how much time you give them, no matter how much, Of your efforts, you offer them, you know what they keep doing? They keep on disappointing you. They keep on breaking your heart. They keep on falling to the same old sin over and over again. That never happened to you. And what about this crazy year we're having? I mean, what a ridiculous year. Wouldn't you agree? Have you found yourself getting frustrated and discouraged at times in 2020? I know I have. I have. I have found myself being discouraged and how I see the devil working in our society. I have found myself being discouraged by how the devil is using race and politics to divide brethren. I have found myself discouraged by the limitations that have been placed on us, by the coronavirus. I have found myself being discouraged by the inability for us as a spiritual family to be together outside of these walls. And even inside these walls, as often as we would like. I found myself being discouraged during this time of pandemic. And I know you probably have as well. The question is, what does God want us to know? What does God want us to do during this time when we may be discouraged? Well, I want to suggest that God wants us to know and do the same kind of stuff he told the people in the days of Haggai. First, God wants us to take courage, take courage. Some of your translations may say be strong. We need to hear that sometimes, don't we? When we're rock bottom, when we feel discouraged while we're trying to do God's work, sometimes we need to open up our Bibles and hear God tell us, take courage, be strong. That's what he told the people of Israel. He said you take courage and he also told them you keep working. You keep laboring. You stay focused. You stay committed to doing the things that I've told you to do. God told the people of Israel, I know you're discouraged right now, but you need to take courage and you need to keep on working. You need to stay focused. And then thirdly, you need to also remember that I'm with you. I'm always with you. Look back at Haggai chapter 2. Verse number four, at the end of verse number four, after God told them to take courage and work, what does it say? For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Do you see that? Look at the end of verse number five. At the end of verse five, he says, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 28 and verse 20. After giving the great commission, Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to what? Even to the end of the age. Notice how when it comes to the message of the Old Testament and when it comes to the message of the New Testament, God is saying the same thing to his people. He is saying in both testaments that as we do our work for him, as we do things that are designed to bring him glory, he will always be with us. He will never leave our side. As as bad as things may be, God is right there with us every step of the way. That's what God told the people of Israel. He says, you take courage. You keep working. You remember that I'm with you. And then fourthly, he told them that even though things may look bad today, you also remember that better days are coming. Better days are coming. Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 9. Remember, God said through the prophet, The latter glory of this house, the latter glory of this house, the house they were currently working on, the temple that they were building at that time, it was going to be greater than the former. The former is a reference to Solomon's temple, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let me just point out that brethren are divided on what they think that verse is alluding to. Some say it may just be making a reference to the glorious temple that was built in the time of Herod how glorious that structure was, others say it's making a reference to Jesus and how Jesus will actually, literally, step foot inside this structure, this temple one day. There's a lot of debate onto what exactly the prophet is alluding to here, but regardless of what, what view you may hold, the point remains the same, right? The point is clear. The point that God is trying to get across to his people is you need to keep working because better days are coming. It's going to get better. Let me tell you something. Since I'm not a prophet like Haggai, I don't know when this pandemic is going to end. I don't know when we can get to a point where we don't have to wear these masks. I'm tired of seeing you in these masks. I don't know when that's going to be be over. I don't know. Let me tell you what I do know. I do know that even though things may seem a little bleak today, things are going to get better. It's going to get better. Days of glory will come. We're not laboring in vain in the kingdom of God. You see, we got to always remember this life we're living in right now is fleeting. It's passing away every single day, and God has promised us better things in the future. He has promised us better things in eternity. He says that when you get to heaven with me, you're not going to have any more problems. That's what God wanted the people in the time of Israel, or, or the time of Haggai, I'm sorry, to understand. He wanted them to consider their indifference. Consider their misplaced priorities. Consider their poor handling of discouragement. And then fourth and finally, he also wants them to consider their need for patience. Their need for patience. Do you struggle with patience? I struggle with patience. That's why I don't go to Fry's or or Walmart. That's why I don't like being in traffic. I struggle with patience. And so notice what the prophet says. I'm going to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. So some more time goes by. The people start working again, and we have another time marker here. Verse 10, on the 24th of the ninth month, in the year of Darius, or Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with his fold or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priest answered, No. Then Haggai said, if one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priest answered, it will become unclean. Then Haggai said, so is this people. They're unclean. And so is this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. But now do you consider from this day onward, before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord, from that time when one came... To a grain heap of 20 measures, there would only be 10. And when one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there would only be 20. I smote you in every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail, yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, From the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider is the seed still in the barn, even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree? It has not borne fruit yet from this day. There's the key. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. Notice how, once again, after working for a period of time, we find the children of Israel discouraged again. They're discouraged. And why are they discouraged? Well, they're discouraged because things are not getting better for them as fast as they thought they would. You see, evidently, the people believe that if they got serious about doing the work of God, their fortunes would immediately change. They thought that things would immediately get better when they start focusing on doing the work of God. But clearly, that's not what was happening, right? Clearly, that wasn't taking place. Instead of things getting better for the children of Israel at this time, the Bible says that things were getting a little worse. Things were still bad. There was still a drought in the land, and that caused the people to get really, really frustrated. They're frustrating. So how does God respond to their frustrations? Well, God responds in two ways. First, in verses 10 through 17, God reminded them of why they were suffering in the first place. God reminded them that they were not suffering because he was being unfair to them. Instead, they were suffering because of their own sinful actions. They were suffering because of their own disobedience. They were suffering because for a period of time, they had neglected to put his work first. God reminded them of why they were suffering in the first place. And then secondly, he urges them to be patient. Be patient. In verses 18 through 19, God tells them that if they just hung in there, if they just continued to do his work, blessings were going to come. Things were going to get better. Good days were on the horizon. Do you think that's something we need to hear from time to time? You know it is. My dear friends, whenever we start getting discouraged, because things are not moving as fast for us as we would like, we're not bringing people to God as quick as we would like, we're not overcoming some spiritual struggle as quick as we would like, COVID-19 won't go away as quick as we would like, Whenever we start struggling because things are not moving as quick as we would like. We need to remember what God said to the people of Israel. We don't need to quit on God. We don't need to blame God, throw in the towel, give up. Instead, we need to pray to God. We need to trust God. We need to keep on working. We need to have patience and have faith that things will get better for us. In God's time. You see, Israel had a lot of problems during the time of Haggai. They had a lot of things that were hindering their service to God, and God wanted them to consider their ways. Consider your ways. The question is what about you this morning? Do you need to consider your ways? Do you need to consider where you stand before God? Do you need to consider how, right as of right now, you may not be right with God? If so, then I want to urge you in love to please do that. I want to urge you to consider the plan of salvation. Consider the need to believe in Jesus Christ. And consider the need to repent of your sins. And consider the need to confess Jesus as Lord. And consider his commandment to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. This morning, if you need to consider your spiritual status before God because you know it's not in a good standing. And if we can help you with that, we're going to invite you to come to the, to the front right now as we stand and we sing.